Shadow Mercy podcast. I am Vince Dragone, and we have a, uh, a a panel discussion tonight. This is going to be our very first open mic night that I hope to do more often uh, with various guests. It would be cool to have like 10 people on at once, but right now we have four, including myself. And that's going to be really difficult. Well, 10 people, as long as everyone mutes themselves, like I ask them to do and they're not supposed to be talking, then we're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Good one. (laughs) So, uh, quickly introduce, uh, who we have tonight. Uh, father Andy Boyd, as usual, we have AJ Gedney from, uh, uh, Kentucky who he's, he was on two episodes that we had, um, a couple of weeks ago. And then we have our newest guest, uh, Joe Patron, father, I'm sorry, father Joe Patron. Um, yeah, you're going to get used to that. Yeah. Right. Who was actually on, uh, our podcast last week. So a newly ordained priest in the diocese of Erie. And, uh, so tonight we're just, we can talk about anything. So how's everyone doing? Hey, actually, uh, I'm going to start with you, AJ. We're just going to kind of go around real quick and just remind everyone who you are, you know, what you like to do, where you live, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so I am AJ Gedney. I am a seminarian for the Diocese of Covington, Kentucky. Uh, I'll be entering Third Theology in the fall. Um, If it pleases God, I'll be ordained a deacon in March. And I am at St. Joseph Church in Crescent Springs uh, for the summer. Has has anyone ever told you that you have a beautiful radio voice? No, thank you. I appreciate that. You're I'll, welcome. I'll chalk it up to, I have a nice recording microphone, so it's probably just that. Oh, yeah. That, okay, sure. It's just the uh, just the equipment. <laughs> yeah, I got to get one of those microphones. <laughs> That's a nice one. What is that, a Rode? Yeah, it's a, uh, AKG. Oh, okay. And uh, Father Joe. Yeah, so I was ordained a little over a month ago now for the Diocese of Erie, and I'm currently living at St. Luke's Parish in Erie, and waiting that phone call from the bishop to get my full-time assignment started. Jeez, you know, I'm not to be living in boxes. I, I just can't believe it. And the more I think about it, and the more I remember the fact that I was there for it, it, it doesn't seem like a month. It seems like forever ago, and yet just yesterday. We're pushing a month and a half even. Wow. Wow. So, Father Joe, you know, if you want to get a permanent assignment, all you have to do is unpack those boxes, and I guarantee you'll get the phone call tomorrow. That's the funny thing. I was living in Oil City uh, as a deacon, and I thought that I would stay there until I got my first assignment, so did just that. I finally brought everything down from my parents' house and started unpacking, and the next day got the word from the bishop that I was coming up here to St. Luke's, so I might try it again. Yeah, I think it'll work. It's worked one time and it'll work a second time. Guaranteed. So how's everyone's night going? Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, I see you're drinking a little bit of bourbon. Anyone else drinking? I am. Anyone Four else drinking anything good? Single barrels. Oh, that's a good one. Andy? Father Andy, what do yeah, you got? No, not tonight. Uh, iced tea a little bit ago with dinner, but Come on, that's about it. So it's just Friday night. We're recording on a Friday night and you don't have a, all right. Hey, that's fine. Father Joe, what do you got? Just have water. I'm boring. Oh, geez. Okay. All right. So AJ and I are going to party it up. You guys are boring. We're going to do our own podcast. (laughs) You guys should, you should do an episode on, um, uh, bourbon. You, you two can talk in circles around me. I'm down with that. 
So uh, who wants to talk about anti-Catholic rhetoric? All right, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> it's just funny things you find on Facebook just kind of make you laugh. And I think it's just stuff that, you know, came up whenever, you know, just, it's just rhetoric is all it is. But somehow it gets a hold of people and they think it's true. So, uh, for example, um, my wife sent me this. She's in this one Facebook group. She's in a thousand different Facebook groups for all sorts of stuff. And it's this one Protestant Christian family who their daughter, I guess, came out of the closet as uh, having same-sex attraction. And so they're fully supporting her. And the comments are like, uh, they're just ridiculous. But one of them says, uh, somehow they get into like the whole Catholic church for, for some reason. And in the person post, uh, long ago, the Catholic church thought deaf people were of Satan because they had ears yet could not hear the word of God. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, well, you do actually believe this? And then, so someone posted, so do you have a source for this to back this up? And then yeah, really, and then she just comments, Mark four, nine. What? Then Jesus oh. said, he who has ears, let him hear and believe. That's her way of justifying that the Catholic church thought these people were of Satan. That, that's just, that's just utterly ridiculous. I think it's just asinine. It doesn't that's make any sense. logic. Yeah. Yes. Extremely. <laughs> yeah, I feel but, like but this is the kind like of stuff that's out there. Rhetoric, sometimes there's a good reasoning and like, I'll entertain that. Like, okay, good point. Good point. But then some, it's just, they're trying to get a point across that they hate Catholics and there's no logic there. That's like the frustrating part. It, like you said, Vince, it gets a lot of traction, but there's nothing there. Right. But that's, that's what people believe now with social media. It's really easy to just share a meme. I don't know how many memes I've seen just on law enforcement over the last couple of months or weeks that it's like, this is, this isn't even close to being a reality. What kind of world do you live in? And and this is what I, I hate the meme culture. I hate everything. Cause you can just, you can make it look funny. You can make it look silly. You can make it look whatever. And people are going to believe it. And, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever happened to, to questioning the things that you see. Well, and I mean, heck, you cannot just make it look funny or silly, but you can make it look like it's a legitimate news source. Yeah, fake news. It's 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 a really sad situation that we find ourselves in because, as we often see, if, if anybody does scroll through um, Facebook or uh, any social media platform, left and right, you're getting hit with things that are um, fake. And as I have mentioned before, and because of me mentioning it, we got a few... Uh, members to it, but I mean, I don't even go on Facebook anymore unless it's I'm looking for something specific. But I used to belong to this group called the Catholic Conspiracy Bunker, and I mean, it's just it's comical to see even what they post in there just because of the conspiracies that they post there. Aren't it's not like we're believing in them, it's more of like you can see just how ridiculous um, people are about this. Yeah, the, it, I was in that group for a while, I had to remove myself. It just I don't be- blame you. It just became a little too, uh, I guess, disingenuous. I don't know. They seem very mean. Even though some of the things were crazy, it just seemed a little bit not really yeah. my, my thing. But it was, it, yeah, just this kind of stuff that people believe. And I, I was reading uh, an article in Crux Now, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago on Catholic conspiracy theories. And there are a lot of them. Even like, and, and just in the Catholic Church, like Catholics, 
believe a lot, you know, a lot of these things. And it's just, it goes into, it went into like the psychology of why people believe things that they do. Um, and it's not like, you know, the Vatican isn't, uh, like a government organization that's supposed to be completely transparent in every decision that they make. They, they can make decisions. The Pope can make decisions. It's, he's not an elected official or anything like that. And so that's what kind of drives a lot of this, especially in first world countries like we are in the United States, for example, where, you know, we expect certain things from our politicians. If we disagree with them, we vote them out. Um, whereas we're not voting for Pope Francis. Um, yeah, but the, the, the internet is rampant with crazy ideologies and conspiracy theories and fake news just all around on all sides. We even have some pretty extremist uh, Catholic organizations, news organizations. I'm sure some of you know one of them. Well, and and I'm glad that you, you know, for the fact that the four of us can see it, but you you use quote, air quotes around Catholic for those media sites. And, and that's, I think, important as well, because, um, you know, there's th- those, there are few, a few websites that will call themselves Catholic, but really have no involvement or no affiliation with the Catholic Church. It just happens to be that the person that writes it considers themselves Catholic. But that gives a bad name to the rest of us. That gives a bad name to the rest of the Catholics of the world, just like, for instance, that post, right? So there was that post, like you had mentioned a few moments ago, the fact that obviously Catholics must hate the deaf pe- deaf people and consider them evil because those who have ears ought to hear. You know, so therefore, all expressions are out the window. You can't use uh, idioms or ideological, uh, or not ideological, uh, idioms or um, those kinds of phrases, you know, and what was it that Christ used to teach the most? He used stories mm-hmm. and idioms, and he made a point with what he was saying. And sometimes when he was saying things, it didn't always, well, people didn't always like to hear what he had to say. Right. And uh, just to add a little bit more context to that post, it was like, her, one of her next comments way the down, I don't, I don't have it word for word here. My wife just told me was at one time the Catholic church was wrong in believing that deaf people were of Satan and therefore they're wrong about, uh, about same sex attraction and homosexual marriage. And that one day they will no longer believe in that. Just like they don't believe that deaf people are the devil. Just like you said a moment ago, AJ, it, the fact that she's trying to use logic in this argument is is horrible. I mean, uh, the three of us have <laughs> extensive knowledge of logic because of our seminary time, and what she's using is not logical at all. Her argumentation is not logical. Right, Father? Right, AJ? Yeah, I feel like uh, you know a lot of these arguments are just full of fallacies. And like, I only know a couple of logical fallacies um, or, you know, proofs for determining invalidity of an argument. But if you would put these under a microscope, none of them would hold up. It's like all like emotional claims or you're taking things out of context or on an ad hominem attack, you're attacking a person rather than the argument. So under actual logic, they won't hold up. So if we talk about logic and reasoning in today's society, you might as well throw it out the window because that, that's not what wins anymore. And and that's a, and that's a, a very sad reality because we've spent thousands of years trying to come up with good logic and I guess reasoning arguments and, and the way to, def, you know, to have uh, civil 
conversations. And, uh, and now with social media, throw it out the window. It doesn't even matter. It's just appealing to emotion is that's it. And it's all that matters today. And it makes me sick because it's like, all you got to do is just turn on your favorite news station and boom, they hit you with all the emotions that you could ever want. And there's no changing your mind. Even if the facts are presented in front of you, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. You bring up a good point with emotion is, I mean, I've thought a lot about how people make decisions. And I think everyone makes decisions based on emotions Mm -hmm. and even very rational people, even like father Joe and I who have science backgrounds, we just let logic and information inform our emotions. But I think some people, they close themselves off and it's all emotion. Like what I feel is correct. There's no like objective truth or objective reason out there. Right. We we've kind of blurred the lines between uh, our emotions and reality really. And sometimes we let our emotions, I mean, and, and that's something that's completely normal. I was actually reading an article today and just a blog that I, I follow on how to make better decisions and, you know, just certain things of trying to disconnect the emotional attachment to whatever it is that you want and just write things down and look, save it for another day and read it another day and look how crazy you sound uh, with your plan that you had. And then maybe you might make a better decision. And we just have a hard time disconnecting that. Um, and, and they went back and talked about how it's completely normal that that's the case because when we were cavemen, it was either we don't care about what's going on in the future. It was either we kill this predator now or it kills us tomorrow. I don't care about what's going to happen in a year. So I don't care what whatever decision I make, I need to have it for now. And that's where that emotion comes in is, okay, I got to kill this big cat before it kills me. And then I can live for another day. And it's that immediate gratification. Uh, and I think that plays a lot into it. It's just kind of primal instinct. So what else you got? Let's talk about uh, wearing masks. Anyone want to talk about that? COVID, anything? Woo, COVID. All right, another hot button issue. Let's 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 tackle it, boys. Maybe I can give you um, a perspective because I know all of you um, reside inside the Diocese of Erie. So I'm here in, in Covington, and you know our my bishop, as a lot of bishops did, put out protocols to follow during mass. And uh, the pastor here, and the previous pastor, like they followed him to a T. So the, when people would complain, they're saying, "Hey." I'm obedient to my bishop. I'm not going to alter any of his rules. And so a lot of people were saying it's over. Like, it's an issue of masks. So you have people on the far, on far one side and the far side of the other saying either you can't make me do anything. You can't make me wear a mask. And then you have the, you have another group saying you have to mandate masks, you know, or I won't come. Although our protocols like verbatim, it says like highly encouraged, strongly preferred. Um, so that's, so that's been an issue because like, how do you placate both sides if there are like total opposite sides of the spectrum? So I can see, you know, talking to my pastor, it can be frustrating because you're trying to minister to all these people, but when they're on total opposite ends, it's kind of hard to meet them in the middle. Yeah. I mean, you, I've, you, we've all seen that play out just along, you know, throughout the whole country over the last couple of months. And I think a lot of that comes down to, so as Americans, what are we? We're a bunch of rebellious people who evaded taxes and we don't want the government to tell us what to do. And you start to get into the Southern States, 
So like where you are, and that is very true. I mean, even more so than in Pennsylvania here, where I think a lot of us are still, the government needs to get off our back and stop telling us what to do. And I think that's, so that's one side. And then the other side are the people who are legitimately afraid of this and which there's no reason why they, they shouldn't be afraid of it. I'm, you know, but I don't know. I also believe that you can't live your life in fear, but anyway, um, There are some legitimate steps. There are some legitimate steps that need to be taken when dealing with this whole situation. Yes. Um, And the, the, the answer is always in the middle somewhere. Right. And, and the biggest thing is, is like, it it does not help the matter on either side of the coin for someone on either side of the coin to go out into public and start screaming at people for either wearing or not wearing a mask. Um, Amen. It's it's showing the fact that we're, to tie this back into our original topic of anti-Catholic rhetoric and specifically about now like how we're dealing with the masks, you have it shows how juvenile we've become. It shows how juvenile we as a, as a humanity have become. The fact that we're going to let a piece of fabric cause us anger. You know, that, that is so juvenile. You know, I, if I were to do something stupid like that, I think my mother would look at me and say, you know, grow up, grow up, be an adult. And But you can't say that. You can't say that to people. But on both sides of the coin, if I'm going to get upset because someone's not wearing a mask, I'm going to start screaming. For instance, I went to the doctor's and um, specifically my chiropractor. My chiropractor uh, has a very clear policy that uh, they recommend that you wear a mask, but they will not deny you service. So I forgot my mask. I was I got a brand new car recently. I didn't transfer everything over right away. And I had my chiropractic appointment. I get to the chiropractor's office. I try to look for a mask. Forget that I don't, I just forgot that I didn't have one. And so I go inside and I say, you know, I'm really sorry. Do you have any disposables? And they said, no. Well, then someone else comes in behind me and starts screaming at me because I'm not wearing a mask. So it's like, you know, damned if you do and damned if you don't. It's not like I'm, I deliberately didn't wear it. It's not like I deliberately walked out without it. Uh, are they annoying as heck? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, today when I was doing First Friday calls, and we did it today because uh, it, you know, 4th of July last week, and uh, most people weren't either home or they were doing celebrating or things. So anyway, First Friday calls uh, today, and I'm wearing a mask. And I had one of the ladies say, why are you wearing those damn thing in my house for? And I said, well, for your safety and for mine. And it's just the fact of like, why are we getting upset about this on both sides of the coin? Do I think we should wear them? Yeah, sadly, I do. I I do think we should wear them. Is it stupid? Yeah, 100%. How often do we do stupid things, though, that that we like or don't like that um, are are not just to better something, right? Think of, and obviously, I'm not in a marriage, but I'm sure, Vince, you do certain things that you think, all right, this is really dumb, but you do it. For your wife, uh, if my wife's listening, that no, 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 never, that never happens in my marriage. Everything, all of her ideas are wonderful, and there's nothing stupid that would never happen. I didn't realize this was uh, a backwards day. <laughs> all right, so another one of the topics I want to talk about is well, hold on, I want to hold on, hold on, hold on, real quick, uh, Father Joe. You haven't talked much, and this is no, something that you, you've. I know you. You mentioned last week that you were in some meetings when it comes to uh, how the the local elementary school there at St. Luke's is going to go back to school. So what is like, what are they talking about when it comes to mask wearing, social distancing, 
being in class, working from home, that kind of thing. Have they, I'm assuming they've started discussing that already, right? They have, and uh, I know they have a lot of uh, complaints on the internet right now because of people putting forth misinformation. So I, I think the wise thing for me to do would not really put forth a lot of information just simply say that, you know, a lot of the teachers are very concerned about just that because they know they have a lot of young kids who will probably, you know, not do so well holding, having masks on their face all day. Uh, But they also recognize that there's no way they're going to be able to maintain the six feet between students that's required if you're not wearing masks. So uh, they there will still be several meetings and there's still a lot of difficult choices to make. Yeah. I, and that's, I mean, that goes with all the schools in the United States or really probably all over, all over the world. You know, my wife are talking, my wife and I are talking about it right now. My daughter is, you know, if she was going to be going back to preschool, it would only be preschool. She's got one more year until kindergarten, but we're kind of discussing right now is maybe we just homeschool her preschool and see what happens next year. Because, I know that she's not going to be able to tolerate wearing a mask all day long. Uh, she'll probably end up coming home with another, another kid's mask and how gross is that? And all, and all this other stuff. And, uh, I, I don't know how realistic that it is. So I, I we're considering not even doing school this year and just doing it from home. And then maybe one day we'll just homeschool, which I'm on board with, but you know, my wife has so many other responsibilities with the kids that who knows. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not, this is all so weird and I'm hoping there is no new normal here yet because this is not, I mean, it's not going to be normal the way we feel now next year. Coronavirus or not, we're going to at least know a lot more and, and things will be, will be different. I think for the good, hopefully. Yeah. Father Joe, you said a, uh, you said a good phrase, you know, a lot of difficult decisions have to be made. And so I'm, you know, you have to be empathetic to, to those people, those bishops and priests and principals and teachers, like just be charitable. You know, this is uncharted territory. There's no precedent for this. And so I just feel like you should be charitable that people are going to do their best and make the best decision they can with that information. But, you know, like you brought up before, people will get emotional. Oh, you know, it's my kid. Oh, it's oh, you sure. know, my parish. And it's like my that. money. Especially like, if you're going to private exactly. school, it's, it's my money. Yeah. So I, you need... What do you mean you don't have all the answers? That's ridiculous. You need to have, if I'm going to give you my money, you you better have all the answers. Just like if I go to a restaurant, my steak better be perfect. If I'm paying you for it, it better be perfect. Or else I'm going to yell at you and send it back to the chef. It's a difficult decision and it's a difficult topic no matter what. But I think the key is that we're getting to is that we all need to be charitable in our communication. And once again, with the anti-Catholic rhetoric, the thing that really sticks out there is it's not charitable because as we keep coming back to, it's not logical. And and um, in logic, and if you think about an argument in general, one of the things is that it has to be true all the time, right? It has to be true. And um, the problem with these arguments of anti-Catholicism is when they make a statement, there's no way to guarantee and prove 100% what they're saying is true. And in fact, most of the time, it's easily found that it's based on sentiment or it's based on um, 
what someone believes or feels to be true. Well, uh, my brothers from St. Vincent's would know very well, semper et pro semper. You know, it has to be true always and forever. And so if you're going to make a judgment call, it has to be true always and forever. And so that's, you know, that's what we go back to when it comes to sin. You know, when we make a judgment call on sin, it has to be a sin for everybody, Mm -hmm. right? It has to be across the board a sin. And so um, the lack of charity is an easy way to look at this because when we're dealing with the whole mask situation, um, there needs to be charity. There needs to be true charity. We also need to be adults. We really do. Everybody needs to be an adult. And if you are of a certain age, you are automatically an adult, you know, get over it. You know, you, you have to, you, you can't be childish over these situations because the childish attitude and um, childish immaturity is what's going to end up causing more problems and more hurt than anything else. And the spreading of false information is a great way to do that because guess what? That's called um, uh, uh, gossip and gossip is a sin yeah, and it's a rampant sin. And it's one that I, I think I've heard the most in confession across the board, not just, you know, in my assignment here, but anywhere I've heard confessions, the sin that number one pops up is gossip I, because I feel it's like so I, easy to slip into. I confess that sin pretty much every single time I go to confession because I, I have, I, it just sometimes happens and it's not until after it happens. I'm like, Oh crap. Uh, I shouldn't yeah. be doing this, but the, the, what I'm learning is so juicy and I gotta, I gotta know it. And it's, yeah. So that's something that I, I know I struggle with. I fall into, I know you guys I mean, are, I don't know you that, guys are I perfect. You so that. I wouldn't, I, you know, I'm sure you guys don't understand, but. I, I don't know if you find that true so far as well, Father Joe, I'm not sure how many confessions you heard, but I, I know from just experience in your life um, I, and our conversations, yeah, gossip is truly something that I think is rampant. Only rampant, but rampant and there seems to be no way of reining it in. Yeah. No one wants to admit that they're the ones gossiping. It's always everyone else is gossiping about me. Right, right. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, a, a story that I often tell when um, dealing with with people in confession, um, my grandmother, God love her, my, uh, you know, I, I love her dearly, but one day she calls me and she says to me, Andrew, did you hear about Father so-and-so? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And she starts telling me this wonderful tale about her pastor. Now, I, I know the pastor and I know what was going on, but of course, I'm not going to I can't tell her what's going on, but I said to her, Mary, that's my grandmother's name, Mary, what are you doing? What do you mean? I said, you are gossiping. How would you like it if the little old ladies of my parish started talking about me that way? He's someone's grandson too. Now, I tell people this in the confessional all the time. It's a true story. But honestly, that priest is someone's God's grandson too. That priest is someone's son too. That nun is someone's daughter too. That nun is someone's granddaughter too. You know, it's, it's once you put it into a personal reflection, you can start to realize that, okay, spreading false information, spreading misinformation is, is more detrimental, not only to myself, but to that other person too, as we would obviously know, right? And, and even if it would be considered what some people say is true gossip, you know, I'm using air quotes to say true, because 
it doesn't matter. If you're spreading information about a person, whether it's true or not, is not a positive thing. You know, what if, and this is another experience I've had, what if you spread some news to someone and they didn't know about it and they weren't supposed to know about it because it was a surprise. And then the next thing you know, that surprise is destroyed for that person. And it was your fault because you were gossiping. The only person that you should gossip to is Jesus Christ. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I have to start thinking of that one. I think people, they forget, you know, do unto others. Because I'm sure if you would ask anybody who's guilty of gossip, like, do you like when people talk about you behind your back? They go, no, of course not. But Vince, like you said, in the moment, it can be kind of hard. And it's only afterwards that you're like, oh, no. But I think that's kind of like with building a life of virtue is to like start to recognize what leads you into sin. But I know it's but it's hard to get to that point. Like we keep saying, when it comes to these topics, there's no easy answer to them. But there are some definitive lines that we can draw. You know, if it was easy, we'd all be saints. That's right. And we wouldn't have, there'd be nothing to work on. That's right. So it's, it's fine. I like a challenge. And I think a lot of us like a challenge, whether you feel like you're a lazy person or not. um, I think there's always that need to be challenged. And so this is good. So, yeah. So what else you got, Andy? I know you got some other topics you want to talk about tonight. Well, I, you know, I think I think coming through with this the, this theme that we're oh sorry about that microphone if anybody's listening on headphones um, it, it, talking about this theme um, I think the last thing that we should talk about dealing with um, dealing with ourselves and dealing with others is bringing into um, accountability right and what does that mean what does that look like for a Catholic relationship uh, a Catholic brotherhood a Catholic um, you know uh, relationship with your significant other, or as, uh, you know, Father Joe and I are priests and soon to be uh, Deacon AJ at the end of this upcoming year, exciting, exciting, and then soon to be Father AJ. But still, you know, what does that look like for us as as men? What does that look like for us as Catholics? And I think the number one thing here is being accountable to someone else. And uh, our experience, Father and AJ, is through spiritual direction in a very real sense is that our spiritual director, we are um, accountable to them. But then how do we deal with that outside of that? How do we uh, help others be accountable? And I think that's important because when it comes to gossiping or when it comes to any of our sins, um, the accountability is what keeps us on track. And almost like a way, uh, you know, some people say, oh, I'm, I'm gossiping because I'm venting. Well, mm, there needs to be some accountable way to deal with that that's in a very an excuse. healthy way. Yeah, that's just an excuse. Right. So, right. you know, I, I'm in charge of uh, almost 30 people at work. And when I, when I came on as a new manager, I pretty much laid out, I have two expectations and that's it. One is teamwork. And I need you guys to work together no matter what, no matter how hard it is. And the other one is accountability. I don't want to hear excuses. If you make a mistake, own up to it. And let's find a way to, you know, let's learn. No one's going to get in trouble for making a mistake. 
So let's let's learn from it and make sure that we become better and let's teach others about that mistake that you made so that they don't make that same mistake. And what I found is that's probably the hardest task for anyone to uh, to be able to succeed in is you're always looking to, okay, who's at fault for this? Well, well, it's it's me. If, if one of my guys fail, it's my fault because I didn't show them. I didn't make sure that they knew what was going on. So I can't go, well, it's your fault that you broke this or whatever it is that this shipment went out late. No, it's my fault because I didn't make sure that even if you didn't, I didn't make sure you were trained. I didn't make sure that you had the proper equipment. I didn't make sure that, you know, whatever it is, it may, all, all signs to most other people may point out that it is the employee's fault, but at the end of the day, it's my fault because I, I put them in that position. You know, if, if I went out of my way to make sure that, uh, they had any, any, everything that they needed, if I didn't feel that confident that they were able to do the job, I could put somebody else in there. Um, you know, and I failed at that. So, and it's, it's one thing that, and I would, what frustrates me is looking at other people and how they handle things instead of just saying, yep, it's my fault. Nope. It's that guy's fault. It's a guy on second shift. He messed that up and, uh, left me with this mess. And it's like, well, one that comes down to teamwork and two accountability at the end of the day, this is your area and you're in charge of your area and you need to make sure that it's taken care of. Whether you, uh, you tell another person to do that for you. You ask them to do that for you, whatever it may be, and they mess it up. It's still your fault because it's still under your control. And and I think that's one thing that you know no one wants to be at blame for anything. And look at politicians. If you want to talk about lack of accountability anywhere, um, that's the first place to look. All politicians. I, I've yet to meet an honest politician. I don't know if one exists. Um, maybe that's just not a field that that honest people want to go into, which I don't blame them, but that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah, Vince, you brought up a good point about like leadership and accountability is, um, you said almost verbatim what I was told when I was in March man in college is we had, um, our director said when you're a leader and you are praised for your success, you, you parcel it out and say, no, it was my team. It was people under me. But when something goes wrong, you take that, um, so I think, you know, I was just, I always thought about that as being a good leader. And of course, you know, you as a father, the leader of your family, uh, for those who are priests, you know, a leader of a parish or a community is, uh, that can be hard that if someone under you messes up and it's like, obviously their fault, but you take the hit. Um, but I think it just, that, that breeds humility. And I think, and that's a virtue as well. And, and it's hard because like I said, no one wants to be the one at blame for that because sometimes there's consequences, but I found just my experience, life experience, work experience, professional, private life. If you own up to something, chances are you're going to end up in a better situation than if you were to say, nope, not my fault. Just like lying. Don't lie. You get caught in a lie, then yeah. you're going to get in trouble. If you own up to it, then, you know, usually, you know, maybe the consequences right away aren't that bad, but you're forgiven a lot of the times. And a lot of people don't realize that. And they don't, so they'll, they'll lie themselves. They'll lie the way out of everything, their whole lives. Yeah. And like, how does that look if you're a leader? It's like, Oh no, no, no. It was that guy. Yeah. That, that just, that never looks good. But, but, but I feel like, yeah, you kind of, you'll garner respect if you're like, no, I'll take the blame. You know, it's my team and sure it'll be, it'll be hard in the short term. But I think like you said, in the long term, people will, will really like respect and appreciate you for that. Yeah. And, and then there's, I mean, there's a limit of, 
you know, if I have an employee that continually messes up, no matter what I, what I provide him and it comes down to him just being lazy or whatever it is, then it's my responsibility to get rid of that employee for everybody else and for the company to be able to make sure that we can continue and to make sure that morale is high because how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to correct another employee if I have one who continually just gets off doing whatever he wants to do and not getting in trouble for it? You know, it's, it comes down to like parenting as well. I feel like if you're a manager, that's a good parent. You're, you're probably a good manager. Whereas if you're a bad parent and you let your kids do whatever they want, you're probably going to do the same with your employees. And I see that a lot with other managers that I've met, you know, over the last couple of years is as soon as you, you learn a lot whenever you go to their, their house for a cookout on how their, how their kids act or, you know, a company party or whatever it may be. You learn a lot from that. And, uh, and, and it reflects on how they handle with their employees as well. Agreed. Agreed. And so I think we would all agree that accountability is important and it's an important aspect of our Christian life. Um, uh, the two priests, I think, would agree that uh, accountability is not just something that uh, we need in our faith life, but in our lives in general. And uh, uh, whatever else you want to say, Father. Yeah, please tell me just, something. I think that uh, <laughs> accountability is key, like you said. Amen. <laughs> all right, we're going to have to do this again soon we ending in here is that what you're, you're drawing yeah, the line i'm 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 calling it i'm calling it tonight on this all one right, all right all right next one's gonna be three I, you hours know, i think we should do like a four-parter on this one and and we'll well here's how we'll tease it in vince is we'll say you have to listen again real soon because we're gonna keep recording some more of these topics and uh kind of have some group discussion and hopefully we'll have a fifth person join us here soon well uh, tonight, we need but. we need more than that because i need you know someone else who's so we got a seminarian we got two priests we're gonna have another seminarian slash monk monk everyone knows and i so we need uh we need another lay person yeah or two. That, all right all right vince you got to get on that I, all right fine I don't have I feel like we need enough people <laughs> that they can take sides. We can have like real debates. We'll arguments. get out the yeah. uh, the boxing oh, gloves. Controversial. Okay. Which side do you want? Ooh, we're gonna take this out. No, we can't do that. We can use logic and reasoning. There you go. Hey, you brought it all full circle. Look at that. Where's the outro music? I don't have that button. Like, come on. Where's the outro music? <laughs> I'm hitting all the right, button. Fine, fine, fine. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, this was our first open mic night. So uh, if you enjoyed it, please let us know. Even if you didn't, I think we're still going to continue to do it. We'll get better as we go, just like the rest of the episodes. And, uh, Even if you don't like it, we'll forget you guys. Yeah, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and uh, www.encountermercy.com. All right, that's it, everybody. Peace.